Well, we are so thankful to know the reality that Jesus is alive. Guys, I would preach the text that has the word Easter in it from the Bible, but the word Easter is not contained in the Bible. Our church celebrates Easter. We're not against Easter. The reality that Jesus is alive is something that we are supposed to celebrate every single day. It's a transformational truth that is central to who we are as believers. You will not find anything about eggs or bunnies in the New Testament. You won't find the word Easter, but you will find the historical fact that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, died at the hands of Romans, and rose again from the dead. The historical fact of the resurrection is not just found in the Bible, it's found in other places as well, and it changes everything in human history. We'll open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are, not, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Down to verse 30. Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? 
If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. And down to 54. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The evidence of the resurrection lives within us. And one of the most countercultural things, one of the hardest things that Jesus commanded and that his disciples lived out well is to love your enemies. Many of you woke up today, as I did, excited for all the different holiday kind of pieces of Easter and saw the horrible bombings in Sri Lanka with over 200 Christians who were killed as they were worshiping the Lord in church. And I'll tell you, my impulse at that time is not the impulse of living life through the Spirit. My initial impulse that I have to put to death, my impulse that I have to crucify, is my impulse in the flesh. And in the flesh, I want to root out everyone who believes as those folks did, and I want to put them to death. We were just in Israel. It's an amazing place, and it's an amazing thing to be in a physical location where you know Jesus actually lived. Jesus actually worked. Jesus actually did miracles. Jesus was there. And as we were there, again and again and again, the specter that hangs above Israel is Islam. Minarets. Well, historically, what's their importance? There's not historical importance. In place after place after place, Muslims desecrated churches, tore down synagogues, killed Christians, killed Jews, and put up monuments to say we're in charge. They didn't have freedom of religion. They didn't believe in freedom of religion. Instead, they believed in killing those who disagreed with them. And for some folks, that continues to this day. It is only through the power of God that we can see folks in those areas come to know Jesus, but that his church, following his example, should be praying for those people who hate us to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. My dad was sharing with our guide who was there that Muslims are coming to know Jesus, and he didn't believe him. And he didn't believe him because he said they can't do that. If they become a Christian, they will be killed. And oftentimes that is true. When Muslims leave the Islamic faith and become a Christian, they will be killed. Some of them are killed by their own family. But they are coming to faith. And some of them are being killed by their family. And they're going to heaven forever. 
the suicide bombers who killed people within the last 24 hours in Sri Lanka are in hell right now. And the people who they were targeting are in heaven forever with Jesus. And that is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because there are people who are so evil that they are consigning themselves to an eternity of weeping and gnashing of teeth in furtherance of what they believe is right. When you read 1 Corinthians 15, I want you to realize that apart from the suicide bombing part, the Apostle Paul was one of those murderers. The Apostle Paul was one of those killers. The Apostle Paul speaks of that when he says in verse 9, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Again and again when I was in Israel, I read the passage in Acts chapter 7. And I'm not going to read the whole passage, I'm just going to read a small part of it. Acts chapter 7 records the martyrdom of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. Beginning in verse 58, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I don't know the spiritual state of everyone in this room. I would assume that some of you don't yet know Jesus. The first question that I want to ask you is, has Jesus appeared to you? How does Jesus appear? He can appear in many ways. But the first time that we know, that we have record in Scripture, of Jesus appearing to Saul was not when he was blinded and knocked off his donkey. The first time that he appeared to Saul is when Stephen responded to his murder with a prayer for his murderers. The response that Stephen had is not a response that is possible apart from the life-changing grace and mercy of God. The early church was filled with martyr after martyr after martyr. Sri Lanka has a tradition that they claim in terms of church tradition goes back to Thomas. Doubting Thomas? Thomas wasn't doubting when he encountered Jesus. Jesus appeared to him. Jesus changed his life. And he went to India, in southern India, Sri Lanka, Chennai, the whole area around there, both the island and the mainland, and started churches that exist to this day. In both of those areas, there's been ongoing persecution and death by Hindus, by some Sinhalese Buddhists, and by Muslims who have killed Christians in those places. But guys, the church has not gone away in those places, and the first person who died there as a martyr for Jesus was Thomas. Thomas, who brought them the gospel, died not cursing Christ, not renouncing his faith, but died knowing that he was about to spend eternity with the Savior who died for him. Has Jesus appeared to you? 
It is time for all of us to ask ourselves the question, does Jesus live in us? 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 9, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Verse 19, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This list of sins, this list of things that we're not to do, absolutely describes some of the bases upon which people will seek moral compromise within the church. People who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, but I'm, just, I'm a little bit of a swindler. Guys, I'm a lawyer. I, I know all the lawyer jokes, okay? And many of them are deserved. Lots of people, most people, people apart from Christ lie. But lawyers will charge you $300 an hour to do it. Okay? There are evil things that people try to include within the church, and it can't be. It must not be. But when we look at evil, we don't say that's them, that's the other. Those people are nothing like us. When we look at great evil, if we know Jesus and if we know ourselves, we should say that was me. That was us. We did that. We're not better than these other people. We're just saved. We're just changed. We're just redeemed. Our lives should be pointing them to hope that they don't have to stay stuck where they are. It is impossible for them to move from any of these characteristics to Christ-likeness apart from Christ. And for most of them, that will begin, their first glimpse of that will be Jesus appearing to them. One of the easiest ways for people to see that is when they treat someone in an evil way, when they're cruel to them, when they're mean to them, and the person responds with love. It doesn't make sense apart from Jesus. It only makes sense because he's changed us. 2 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Does Jesus live in you? How do we know if Jesus is alive? In preparation for the baptism service, William and I met about lots of things. And at one point he asked me a question. It's a good question to consider. Most people think about it when they're college sophomores as kind of a step in life. William's thinking about it now. He said, Dad, what if, it's, what if this is a trick? I said, what do you mean, buddy? He said, what, what if this is all a trick? What if it's not what we believe? I believe in Jesus, but what if it's not real? As the, the responses to that are multiple. 
The first response is that Jesus lived and died and rose again as a historical fact. The reason that people were willing to follow him to their death is because they knew that that wasn't the end. They knew that that wasn't the end of their lives. They knew that because of him, they would be with him forever. But he didn't just appear to one person or two people or three people. He appeared to over 500 people at once. As a historical fact, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he didn't die again. He ascended into heaven. And he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell his people and gave his people power. And that's the part that we can focus on and we can examine and we should examine. One of my brother's best friends went to college, became a religious studies major. Ooh, was it a secular university? It was, but there's a lot of people who have fallen away at Christian schools. At his secular university as a religious studies major, he talked to me and said, I'm not sure I believe anymore. He believed in Jesus in terms of his intellect, but he didn't know Jesus. And as we talked, I told him, what if I said to you, I am not real. I'm a construct. You think we've written some songs together. You think we've gone camping together. You think we've had some good times together. But it didn't really happen. It's just something that made you feel good. You never had an older brother. I kind of filled that role for you. He said, Clayton, that is ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thing to even say. He said, why is it ridiculous? He said, it's ridiculous because I know you. Brothers and sisters, we should be able to say that to anyone who questions whether or not Jesus is alive. We know him. He lives in us, and we are changed. We are living an exchanged life, a resurrected life, a life that looks nothing like our old life. And how do we have the power to put sin to death? Because of him, because of what he did. Romans 8, beginning in verse 10. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Has he appeared to you not only externally, not only in watching his work through his body of believers, Has he appeared to you inside you? If he hasn't, you need to come to know him. You need to come to know him as your Lord and Savior. You need to come to know his power to to not just resist temptation. Sure, that's a part of it. To put sin to death. I just feel like I'm in chains. Every time I try to do the wrong thing, I just feel like I do it no matter what. Well, come to know Jesus. Please come to know Jesus. Romans 8 has a long passage that I'm not going to read all of that talks about that. We are rescued from the body of death by the power of the Spirit, and because of it, we are no longer slaves to sin. Now we are slaves to righteousness. Our lives are different. And my life is not different because I'm a great guy. The lie, the lie that they knew was going to happen, that did happen, about Jesus' death and resurrection is that, I mean, a lot of people saw him, so we're not going to say that he didn't, like, walk around. I mean, that's impossible. But, like, let's say that Jesus, he didn't actually die. He didn't die. 
People have posited that. People have taught that for a long time. It's a, it's a ridiculous lie, and the physical evidence showing that that's a ridiculous lie is when they pierced his side. Did it hurt Jesus when they pierced his side with a spear? Trick question. It didn't hurt him. He was dead. Jesus was dead. What came out of him looked like blood and water because the physical separation, we have some doctors, can I get some head nods? This is true. The physical separation happened, and because he was dead, what looked like blood and water came out of his side. Guys, Satan wants to trick us about our state apart from Jesus. I mean, with dead and trespasses and sins, isn't that a little harsh? Clayton, I mean, you were kind of sick. You needed a little help. You need a little like, extra Holy Spirit power sometimes on the bad days. If it's raining, you probably need some help from God. But like, if it's sunny outside, just go with your personality. Because <laughs> it's a lie. It's a lie. Just as surely as Jesus died physically, we all lived as spiritually dead people. Not spiritually sick people. Spiritually dead people, slaves to sin, with an inability to please God. A complete inability to do anything righteous. And only because of Jesus, we have new life. He lives in us. He's changed everything about us. He's given us freedom from sin, where we can kill sin in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that look like? Is this like a perfectionism thing? Like how? It's described in 2 Corinthians 4 as earthen vessels containing a treasure. Not finished work. We're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to sin. Make mistakes is a really nice way of saying it, isn't it? Doesn't that sound better? We're still going to sin. We're still going to fall on our faces. The Bible describes sin and returning to sin as a dog returning to its vomit. That's pretty disgusting. That's pretty accurate. We will go towards evil, horrible things, and we will be restored. We will be forgiven. We will be brought back. We, as Christians, are learning how to live lives where Christ is formed in us. The Apostle Paul talks about that over and over again in Galatians. Everybody knows this verse. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 4.19, my children with whom I travail again in birth until Christ is formed in you. It's a process. But guys, if you don't see any progress, you need to get saved. You need to get saved. The final thing that is amazing, beautiful, challenging is that God has decided that the way he will be glorified is by Christ living in us and us living out lives that demonstrate who he is to others. Yes. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you the hope of glory. Amen. Guys, there are so many tests for that. How do I know if I'm following the Lord? How do I know if I'm doing things as I'm supposed to? 
Do you look more like Jesus each day? Also, though, by the way, gosh, Clayton made it seem like if I'm ever sinning, then I'm not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're ever righteous, then you are a Christian. If you're ever righteous, then you're a Christian. Because we can't be apart from Jesus. We still have problems. We still will make mistakes. But what we are supposed to be doing is again and again hating sin because of the love of God. It's transformed us. It's changed us. And we glorify Him by seeing His resurrected life in us. Easter is one day to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. Is alive. Every day as a Christian, we should be celebrating that He lives in us. Amen. I don't know Jesus. But please come to know Him. Guys, again, I've gone back to this because as I've prayed for the last month, really, this has hit me over and over again. It is so countercultural to love your enemies. It's countercultural to love the person who's annoying at work. It's countercultural to love the person who's rude to you when you're driving or who cuts you off in line at Kroger. That feels like miraculous. I didn't say anything. They cut. That's not 15 items. That's 27. <laughs> that feels like a big win as a Christian. Guys, because of Jesus, we're supposed to be loving people who hate us. Because of Jesus, we're supposed to be loving people who spit on us. Jesus was beaten with a cat of nine tails. Jesus wore a crown of thorns. Jesus was reviled and rejected, and he loved us. He took the punishment that we deserve. And because of him, we are called to love our enemies. If we do that well, it will bring him glory, and it will cause people to ask us why. Why on earth would you love them? How could you love them? One of the most clear and compelling times that I've seen the gospel presented on a national stage in the last decade was after the horrible shootings in Charleston. The families of the people who were murdered went to the shooter in a public place and through tears said, we forgive you. That is impossible apart from God. But because of him, that is what all of us are called to do. Yes. Let's pray. God, it is so tempting for us to take up our sword and cut down our enemies. And it it's so tempting for us to look at Nineveh and ask for you to destroy it completely. Mm-hmm. It's so tempting for us to confuse our unrighteous and righteous anger. God, help us. Give us a deep love for everyone. Help us to love our families well. Help us to love our families well despite the fact that they know better than anyone else how to push our buttons. Help us to love our friends well. God, those are just pictures of moral people. Help us in a countercultural way to love our enemies. We want to glorify you. 
Lord, for those who are here who do not yet have you living inside of them, help them to encounter you. Help them to see you. Help them to see you and those around them. And help them to be drawn by the power of your Holy Spirit to repentance. Convict them of their sin. Help them to understand that they deserve hell. As all of us, apart from you, deserve hell. And then help them to know the good news of the gospel. That you took the punishment that we deserve. And because of you, we can be forgiven and free adopted into your family and into a new life. Lord, help us to examine ourselves. I suspect for most people in this room that we know you, but we want to know you more. That we know you, but we want to look more like you. That we know you, but we're not sharing your love. We're not glorifying you with transformed lives the way that we know we ought to. Convict us. Draw us to yourself. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit to demonstrate love to everyone we encounter. Help us to pray for our enemies. Help us to bless them. We'll be careful to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.